Rick Warren, the author of The Purpose Driven Life, says this quote, if you are alive, you have a purpose. If you are alive, you have a purpose. I have news for you today. If you are in this service today, you're watching this service online today, you're alive. And therefore, you have a purpose. You might feel like you're the walking dead. You might feel like life is beating you up. You might feel like you don't have a purpose, but that's a lie from the pits of hell. If you're alive, you have a purpose. God doesn't make mistakes. There's something within you. There's something bigger than yourself, and that's called purpose. God created us with a purpose. One of the greatest experiences or one of the greatest gifts that we get to experience is the dash. Everything that you ever are and everything that you ever do between the time you're born and the time you die gets summed up in simply a dash. And your dash tells your story. Your dash tells the accomplishments that you did, the impact that you have, the legacy that you left. And what we've been doing throughout this series is we've been talking about how do we make the most of our dash. At the end of my life, I want to know that I lived out the reason I was created. I want to know that I got up every single day squeezing every ounce of this thing called life. I want to know that I made a difference in the lives of people I was around. And one of my goals as your pastor is to help you get out of the groundhog effect of day-to-day living. The life of getting up and going through the motions and not living the reason you were created. Now, here's the reality. I don't know your purpose, but I know you have a purpose. And I know at the end of your life, as you look back over your life, you're not going to worry about how much you worked and how many toys you had and all the things that we think matter. You're going to want to know that you made a difference with the dash that you have. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.6, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Leave that up, Xander. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. That's a powerful verse because it says he's reminding us that we're to fan that flame. How many of you have ever built a fire before? Building a fire for me is literally one of the hardest things in the world. I can pour gasoline on it, and it will burn for two seconds, and it burns out. But you know, I've learned something about building a fire over the years. It's all about the oxygen to the flame. It's all about knowing when to, to kind of blow on it, when to kind of fan it with something, when to give it air. And when you learn how to give it the air, when you work that flame... That flame burns bright. What God's saying is he's given us this gift, this purpose, but we've got to fan that flame. We've got to work at that flame. If we don't, that purpose starts to die out, and as that dies out in us, we begin to die out. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. So here's the deal. I can tell you that you're created for a purpose. I can give you all the steps that I've given you over the last couple of weeks. But at the end of the day, you have to piss or get off the pot. At the end of the day, you have to decide you're going to do something with that purpose. Are you awake today? Somebody say amen. 
I get that you're six feet apart. I get that it's a little bit different, but somebody talk to me today, okay? Listen, I'm talking about your life, the one shot you have, and the reality is the large majority of people are wasting it. It's pitiful. I was talking to a family member yesterday about an individual that we know, and I've known this individual for six years, and for six years, this individual has literally wasted their life. Went through something six years ago, could not get over what they went through, and has literally lived every single day in a state of depression, in a state of going through the motions, a state of existing and surviving instead of thriving. What a waste. There's no do-overs in this thing called life. You don't get to come back again. You say, well, I believe in reincarnation. Well, chances are if you do, you'll come back as a cockroach or something, and it won't be something you'll get to live out your purpose on. That's just God's sense of humor. Someone told me one time, they said, I believe I'm going to come back as a tree. I said, well, I'm going to come back as a dog. You read into that what you want to read into it. We have one shot at this thing called life. You make the most of your life, but to do that, you need to understand something today It's your choice. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And God says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may experience life. And so many people think they're experiencing life and all they're doing is hiding from life. They're drinking their life away. They're snorting their life away. They're screwing their life away. They're drink, uh, smoking their life away. Doing whatever they can to mask the pain instead of nutting up and becoming men or becoming the women of God that God, did I just say that? I meant the testicular fortitude, excuse me for a minute, and living life. I just got to be honest with you that I'm a little bit passionate. I had zero respect, zero respect for someone who wallows in their self-pity. You have life, and you have this gift of life, and so many of us waste it because we're not willing to put the work in to live that life. It's easy to be lazy It's easy to feel sorry for ourselves. It's easy to blame others. It's easy to blame ourselves. But to man up and say, man, I want to live the life I was created for. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what we need to do to live the dash. The first week, we've talked about we need to live passionately. We need to live passionately. Life's amazing. If you missed that, you can go to actionchurch.tv backslash podcast and you can download the podcast you can go into any of the podcast features on your phone type in actionchurch.tv you can subscribe to the podcast you can hear that message last week we talked about in order to make the most of our dash we have to love completely a person who hasn't loved is a person who hasn't lived hate is a burden too heavy to carry but love changes the world Today, I want to talk to you about what might be one of the biggest hindrances to people living the life they were created for. And in order for us to make the most of our dash, we've got to live passionately. We've got to love completely. Don't miss this. This is hard. We've got to learn from your past. You've got to learn from your past. 
Let me give you some earth-shattering news today. In life, you're going to mess up. It's my job as your pastor to tell you things you've never heard before. Things you might not have known. Guess what? In life, you're going to screw up. In life, you're going to do things that you wish you could change. In life, you're going to have situations that if you could go back in time and change that situation, you would give everything that you could to go back and change that situation. In life, you're going to make mistakes. And the worst thing about those mistakes, the worst thing about those screw-ups, the worst thing about those mess-ups is very simply this. No matter how bad you want to go back and change them, you cannot. Even though there is all kinds of steps on YouTube on how to build a time machine, I have yet to see one that actually works. No matter how bad you want to go back and change it, you cannot. No matter how bad you wish you could go back and change it, you cannot. There's no one here who is perfect. Ladies, no matter what he tells you, he's not perfect. Ladies, on Mother's Day today, no matter how many times he tells you that you're perfect, hate to burst your bubble, you're not. No one here is perfect and in life, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to make some small mistakes. You're going to make some huge mistakes. There's no way around it. No matter how hard you try not to make a mistake, you're going to make a mistake. There's nothing you can do. It's part of life. But for the large majority of people, they live in the past, and therefore they never fulfill their purpose in the present. You can't operate in today when you're living in yesterday. I've been doing this gig a long, long time. I've seen a lot of people mess up. I have messed up. I've seen a lot of people screw up. I've seen a lot of people do things that I'm thinking, man, I'd have never done that. Ain't it funny how other people's mess ups we would never do, but we mess up all the time. And here's the reality. There's two ways you can go with your past. Number one thing that people do is they allow their past failures to define them. They allow their past failures to define them. This is what Satan wants to happen. He wants you to allow your screw-ups to become who you are. He wants you to become known. Don't miss this. Let's go preaching if a white boy is I done seen we got some black ones tuning in today. I know a black brother can shut the corn, but a white one's about to get to do it today. Listen, 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 listen. He wants you to be known by what you did instead of what Jesus did. Your mistakes can define you. He's a drunk. He's an adulterer. He's a liar. He's a crook. He's an idiot. She's a whore. She's this. She's that. Your past can define you. That's what society wants to do. They define you by your past. Or the second thing is they allow their past failures to refine them. 
to make them better. To, to, to carve out, to begin to mold who they are. The Bible says this in Isaiah 48, 10. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. That's a powerful verse. He said, I put you in the furnace of affliction. I put you through hell. I put you through testing. I put you through mess up so I could begin to take your mess and refine you. So I could take your mess ups and refine you. I'm going to take your mess. I'm going to take your mess ups. I'm going to take your misery and I'm going to refine you for your greatest ministry. You are who you are today because of your screw-ups yesterday. Yeah. There's power in failure. Fail nine times, get up ten. Guess what? Just when you get up from your last failure and think you got it all together, you're going to screw it up again in another area. Are some of you stupid and dumb and maybe I can be... Screw it up in the same area. (laughs) But if we're going to make the most of our dash, we have got to learn from our past. (laughs) They've got to refine you. This is when you allow your mistakes to make you a better person. You allow your mistakes and your failures to become teaching moments. You allow the scars to be stories of the redemption of God's goodness. <laughs> Who you are today, good and bad, is because of your past. Your past can either define you or it can refine you. But I'm telling you today, and for those of you watching online, if you really want to live the life that God created you for, if you really want to make the most of your dash, It's deciding today that your future will not be determined by your past. Some of you have got to let go of it today. The guilt is eating you up. The shame is eating you up. The bitterness is eating you up. The hurt is eating you up. And you're replaying yesterday over and over and over like an old movie. And you're missing everything that is taking place today. Man. Satan loves that. Now, here's the deal about this type of sermon. It's easy to preach. It's easy for everybody to amen to it. I get it, Gary, because every one of us got a past. You're right. It's easy to talk about it. It's one of those things that's easier said than done. It's hard to move on from your past because the human nature in us focuses on it. Society defines us by it. It's ever before. It's just when you think you're past it, you run into somebody in the most random place who reminds you of it. Sometimes your past hurt other people and they'll never let you forget it. And I'm not even sure you should forget it. You just need to learn from it. If you want to live life today. Now, if you want to stay miserable, stay miserable. You want to stay guilt-ridden, stay guilt-ridden. You want to waste this thing called life? 
Couldn't do it. I had a guy that I used to know in my previous life, pastor of a church. One of the largest churches actually in Missouri. And he messed up about five or six years ago. He went through the restoration process that the church does where they make you feel guilty about everything and make you jump through hoops and stand on one toe and balance and do all those things. And he got back in ministry. But you could just tell something wasn't right. You could tell he missed what he lost. And you could tell the constant reminders got to him nonstop. And you could tell he was a shell of what he used to be. And you could tell he lived with the guilt of what he did. And I read this week that he killed himself. You got to get busy living or get busy dying. And you can't live living in the past. But Gary, you don't know what I did. It doesn't matter. Let it be a teaching moment for you. <laughs> in a crowd this size, I don't know what it is that you've went through. But I know you've went through some stuff. Some of you have messed up and you've severed the relationship with your family members. And you wish you could go back, but you live with the regret. Some of you messed up and, and you ruined your marriage. Some of you messed up and ruined your career. Some of you messed up and, man, I don't know, um, destroyed the relationship between you and your children. I, I don't know what it is you did, but you do. Because you live with it every day. You think about it every day. You let those people that you hurt take advantage of you today because of what you did yesterday. Mm. You got this heaviness on you. We've heard the expression, the weight of the world on someone's shoulders. If you've ever felt the weight of the world on your shoulders, you know exactly what that means. It's a heaviness on your shoulders. It's a tension in your upper body. And you're carrying it in that heaviness of the guilt. You went and did something at the moment seemed fun. and Man, the repercussions were horrible. Some of you are dealing with reoccurring sin. Man, you know that thing you do over and over and over? You lost your temper and said you'd never do it again. And the next time you got mad, you lost your temper and began to burn. Every, you said you wouldn't do this or do that. That reoccurring sin. I don't know what it is. You said something, something verbally to someone you love that you can never take back. And you replay it every day. You replay that look on their face. When you hurt them, I, I don't know what it is today, but you do. Some of you made bad decisions 10 years ago and they're catching up with you today. I don't know what it is. Good news for you is I don't need to know what it is. You know what it is. God knows what it is. And here's the sad part about that. God's already forgiven you, and you can't forgive yourself. You want God to punish you. Let me make something very clear. We don't serve a God who punishes us. We serve a God that there are consequences for our actions, good or bad. God's punishing me. God's not punishing you. It's just the consequences for your actions. Your actions were poor, therefore the consequences are poor. But God's forgiven you. God's moved on. Many times, I know situations where someone has hurt someone else and the person that got hurt has moved on. They've forgiven. They don't think about it. And yet you still punish yourself every day. We, want, we, we, we think we deserve it. And then the process, man, you're missing out 
on this amazing thing called life. David said this about his sin in Psalms 38. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. This is when he had cheated with Bathsheba, had her husband murdered, lost his son as a result of it. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I was talking to someone recently and they said, man, I, I, I think my purpose in life is to mentor young people. But after all the mess ups I've done, how can I mentor young people? <laughs> someone told me, I really want a good marriage, man. I've screwed up my marriage so bad. How can I ever have a good marriage? The past continues to follow them because they're wallowing in the past. Anybody ever been to a pig pen, a pig farm, and watch them just wallow in the mud? You take a pig to a five-acre track of land, and I'm going to tell you something. That pig's going to find the nastiest part of that five acres, the most disgusting part of that five acres, the most crap-filled part of that five acres, and they're going to wallow right there in the stench. They don't care about all the green grass. They don't care about the nice part. They're just going to wallow in the, you know. Got to remind myself, there's kids in the service now. He said, there's always kids in the service. I don't care when we have the kids there. They choose to be in here. The parents choose. They're forced in here now, so I got to be careful. My wife will yell at me later. We wallow in our sin. Here's what I want you to understand today. Every Saint of God, scratch that word, that might think you eliminate you. Every person that God has ever used, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. This book is full of screwed up people. How the church got into this mindset where you got to look a certain way and act a certain way and smell a certain way and talk a certain way and be a certain way and do all these things that you got to do before you can be used by God, I simply, it's one of the most mind-blowing things to me about the church because this is a book full of messed up people, adulterers, murderers, liars, thieves, Man, over and over, just screwed up people. People who doubted God. Drunks. Listen, prostitutes. You name it, they're in this book. And God used them. And yet, you're so arrogant. You're so freaking cocky. You wear it like a badge of honor that you think your past excludes you from being used by God, then you must have a small view of God. Don't flatter yourself, honey. You ain't that bad. I can never use my email. I can't believe the walls of the church aren't going to fall in. Shut up. You ain't that bad. And if you are that bad, our God's that big. Man, 
Every person has a future. As long as you're alive, as long as you're breathing, God can use you. God will use you. You can make the most of your dash until your last breath is taken. But you've got to live passionately. You've got to love completely. And you can't change your past, so you might as well learn from it. It can define you or it can refine you. I want to give you a couple of principles when we're going home today. First thing I want you to understand about your past is this. Our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. I've been a Christ follower now for 24 years. And one of the things that blows me away that I am profoundly aware of is that people are consumed by guilt. They live with guilt. And hear me out. Hear me out. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear me out. Guilt is not from God. It never has been. I I believe we have a very real enemy. I believe in order for there to be a God, there has to be a devil. In order for there to be good, there has to be evil. And if God's goal is for you to live out your purpose, then Satan's goal is for you not to live out your purpose. And what better way to get you to quit living the what you were created to live for than to live by guilt. I'm never going to conquer this. I'm never going to be anything. I'm never going to get over this failure. Man, this marriage fell apart. I'll never have a good marriage. Why do I even need to try? Man, I blew it with this kid. I'll never have a good relationship with my kids. (laughs) Guilt shuts us down. It it also, guilt also, it it breeds self-hatred. The more we stew in the guilt, the more we hate ourselves. The more we loathe our actions. When I do something that hurts someone, the guilt that I feel, the self-hatred that I feel that I hurt someone I cared about is overwhelming to me. But I feel this thing, it must be the guilt. No, 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 no. You need to learn the difference between guilt and conviction. God will convict you. God will make you aware of your mistakes. Why? So you can change from them and learn from them. Without the conviction, we can't learn. The conviction of the Holy Spirit brings about one of the most beautiful things ever. It produces change in our life. It brings about restoration in our life. The Bible says this in John, 1 John 1, 9. If We confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Gary, I screwed up. Take it to God. He doesn't say he'll think about it. He says he'll do it. He's forgiven you. How many of you ever, I'm 44. I know the young little kids in here don't get this or you, maybe even people under 25 don't get this or 30. How many of you ever owned Etch-A-Sketch? Etch a sketch. Some people could master the etch a sketch. I was not one of those people. 
I can't draw on a piece of paper, much less an etch sketch. But you know the great thing about an Etch-a-Sketch? Is no matter how bad it looked on the thing, all I had to do was flip it over and shake it. And it was gone. And I got to start all over. That verse right there is God's Etch-a-Sketch. Yeah, you screwed up. I'm not going to blow smoke up you, bud. You messed up. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, if you could go back and change it, I get it. But guess what? Boom, oh, it's over. And if you mess up again, it's over. Let me tell you the, the biggest thing I hate is we say God's a God of second chances. God's a God of unlimited chances. If he's only a God of second chances, I am screwed. And so are you. God doesn't keep track of our mess-ups. We do. Learn from your past. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 31. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Someone told me, I ask God's forgiveness every day for this issue. I said, why? What do you mean? I said, God don't even know what you're asking forgiveness for after the first time. What do you mean? He forgot it. He chooses to forget it. You're talking about what you did 10 years ago, and God's like, huh? I don't remember that. I remember it no more. Why are you living in it? Why are you wallowing in it? I'm on to plan B or plan C or plan D. We don't went off on the forks in the road. I got a purpose. Let's go. Why do we keep bringing it up? When God's forgot it. I mean, think about this. The all-powerful, ever-present God makes a choice to limit his memory forever. I will remember their sins no more. If we want to get past our past, and I pray you want to, you need to understand there's no sin you can commit that's too big for God's grace. God's grace is a whole nother level. We can't comprehend the grace of God because we don't have that type of grace. We'll never have that type of grace. Like if I would have just stepped on that and broke it, Phil would not have had the grace for me that he probably should have. God would have forgot about it in two seconds. 225 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal crushes that thing, or round mound or whatever you want to call it, crushes that thing. It'd be bad. All right, I lied. It's 240. Sorry. All right, 240, all right? Yeah, I saw you down there smirking. Gary! That sounds great, but you don't know what I did. Guess what? God does. And he chooses to forgive you anyway. Our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Check this out. This is the second thing you need to write down. You are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. You are not what you've done. 
You are who God says you are. What you have done doesn't define you. What you've done is not your identity. You are the very identity of the loving God, the living God who breathed life into you. That's who you are. You know who I am? I'm Gary. You know why I can't stand people to call me Pastor Gary? Because I'm Gary. I'm so much more than Pastor Gary. I, I don't call my plumber, Plumber Scott. <laughs> when Kylie comes to paint my house, I don't call him Painter Kylie. Hey, what's up, Painter Kylie? <laughs> no, it's Kylie. He's who God created him to be. I'm so much more than a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a friend. I'm a business owner. I'm a dad. I'm a screw-up. I'm a sacrilegious saint. I'm anything you can come up with. So don't put me on some kind of label, but that's what we love to do. He's a drunk. Just an addict. The liar. Adulterer. Oh, the gambler. No, don't believe that lie. You're a child of God. Satan, (laughs) don't miss this. Satan tries so hard to get us to personalize our sin. He tries to get us into the mindset that what we've done is who we've become. So we don't say, yeah, man, a few years ago I committed adultery. Now we say, man, I'm an adulterer. We don't say, man, I, I, I used to be addicted to drugs. And now I'm an addict. Drives me crazy. My dad has been clean, I think, 33 years. 33 years. And he'll still say, yeah, you know, I'm an addict. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. My pet peeve at AA and NA, and I'm not dashing anybody goes to A or NA, I think it's a great program. But hi, I'm Gary, and I'm an alcoholic. How about I'm Gary, and I struggle with drinking. I don't struggle with drinking there, Facebook. (laughs) I struggle with a lot of things. That ain't one of them. Hey, I'm Gary. Satan wants us to personalize it. You're not what you've done. You're who God says you are. Look what the psalmist said. David says in one Psalm 139, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a broken record and I get it. But I want you to understand something today. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make screw-ups. God was not surprised by your conception. He told Jeremiah, he said, I knew you in the womb. I called you for a purpose. You might have been a surprise to mommy and daddy. You might have been an unplanned surprise to mommy and daddy. It might have been their 20th wedding anniversary and they decided to get crazy and go parking and boom, there you are. And they're freaking out, but guess what? God had you planned. God knew what he was doing. He's God and you're not. And you're gonna mess up 
and God's going to use you. And you're going to screw up, and God's going to use you. And you're going to mess up again, and God's going to use you. And you're going to mess up for 25 straight years or be caught up in some sin for years upon years and think God can never use you. And you're going to hurt everybody around you and possibly destroy everything around you. And God says, I know it sucks, but I'm still going to use you. You're going to learn from that 25 years where you can be better the next 25 years. You destroyed the first marriage. Guess what? The second one might be better. Or you might be hard-headed like me, and it takes number three to get it right. Third time's a charm. Oh, you've been married three times? I'm an idiot. Not an idiot because I've been married three times. Because I like the third one. Love the third one. Boy, I'm just getting deeper and deeper. Let's move on. You see my point. Third time's the charm. That's what my point was. I'm just a slow learner. You think I was going to let a mess up when I was 33 years old to find the rest of my life? You must be stupid. The calling of God does not leave because you mess up. I remember pastors telling me, man, you'll be in ministry one day, but you need to leave Canton and go somewhere. I ain't leaving Canton. I feel called to this town. I ain't going to work. I said, well, we're going to stay. Because I refuse to be defined by what I've done. It's an insult to God for you to allow yourself to be defined by your past mistakes. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Sin is an event. It's never, ever, ever a person. Let that sink in for a minute. Sin is an event. It's something that you do. It's not something you are. I get it, man. Some of you are just guilt-ridden. Been there, done that. Got the scars all over me to prove it. It sucks. It's painful. It's miserable. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. That's good news, is it not? Now, let me tell you something. If you're not a Christ follower, it sucks to be you because that don't apply to you. It says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So you believe that's, yeah. Without Christ, you're probably defined by your sin. But with Christ, you're defined as a child of God. Now the good news is, you can become a new creation in Christ. How do I do that? Well, there's no magical prayer. There's no soup handshake. It's just putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did. He paid the price for your sin. That's why you don't got to live in it. When you live in your sin, you discredit what Christ did on the cross when he lived a sinless, perfect life and paid a debt he did not owe because you owed a debt you could not pay. You can't pay your sin debt. 
You can't live a good enough life to pay your sin debt. Your church membership doesn't pay your sin debt. How much money you give to the church doesn't pay your sin debt. What he did, he paid the price for you. And what an insult when you still live in your sin instead of receiving the gift that he gave you. Now you can clap. Last and we're done, I'm hungry. You cannot change your past, but Jesus can change your future. You cannot change your past, but Jesus can change your future. No matter what you did or no matter what was done to you, I was talking to someone about a year ago and they had been molested as a child. Horrible. Can't, can't even begin to comprehend that. Horrible. In my mind, one of the most sickest actions, if not the sickest action, a human being can do to someone else. But here's the reality. They can't go back and change it. But God can take that mess and use it for ministry. God can take that pain and use it to impact people into the future. You hurt somebody. You can't change it. You cannot change it. People ask me all the time, if you could go back in time and change X, Y, Z, would you change X, Y, Z? My answer is always like, no. It's not because I don't want to change it. I just know that's not even an option. And... Without X, Y, and Z, I wouldn't be where I am today. Without every step of X, Y, and Z, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I love where I am today. I'd go through all the hell of the past, all the hurts, all the scars, all the self-inflicted mutilation to be right here on this stage today with the family I have and the church that I have and the purpose that I have and to change any of that could set off a chain of events that I never would be here. So we miss out on that. Why are you living in the past? The past puts you where you are today. You can't change your past. But Christ can change your future. But so many of you won't allow him to. You'd rather wallow in the mess. <laughs> Satan's going to do whatever he can to remind you of your past. Remind him of his future. I got good news for you today. Sounds real Baptisty, old church. We win. We win. Alan Flippin said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's saying, hey, as long as I'm alive, I'm living for Christ. But if I die, man, I gain everything. I gain heaven. People say, well, hey, what are you going to do if you get this disease and you die? You know, I, I don't want to die. I dig life. But if I die, man, I, I'm smoking what I'm selling. I win. Y'all will miss me. No offense, I ain't giving y'all a second thought. I'm chilling in heaven with God. I don't mean I got a death wish. Jesus can change your future. The problem is so many of you destroy your today 
because of your past yesterday. You keep doing stupid stuff and wonder why life sucks. Because you're looking to fix it or numb the pain and all the wrong things. You can't drink the guilt away. You can't smoke the guilt away. You can't party the guilt away. You can't allow someone to walk all over you the guilt away. You man up. You own up. And you get busy living. And then here's what's going to happen when you do that. People are going to tell you that you don't care. I don't even care what they did. Look at them moving on. No, we care. But we're not going to let that define us. We're going to let it refine us. Look what Paul says in Philippians 3. He's in prison. Remember this. He's in prison, about to die, and I'm done. He says, not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind me, and I stray towards what is ahead. I press on forward motion. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. He says, he goes, I don't live in the past. I press forward to obtain that purpose. All of us then who are mature, you can keep being immature. How's that working out for you? Should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. This is a new day. You can't change your past, but God can change your future. But you've got to stir up that gift. You're never going to live your dash living in the past. So stupid saying, but you keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you've been getting. Some of you are 40 years old and wonder why your life sucks, because you keep doing the same things. Every time I screw up my life and I'm like, why does that happen? Because I keep doing the same stupid stuff. Newsflash, my fault. You would think some of you would get sick and tired. Sick and tired of being miserable. Sick and tired of poor decisions. Sick and tired of blaming everyone else for all your stupidity. Sick and tired of your life falling apart. But you keep doing the same thing. What's the definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and expecting a different result? Be an idiot. I'm going to love you no matter what. But I'm going to tell you you're an idiot. Unfortunately, this series is, this is my most passionate thing in life. The dash. It's where I don't have a lot of grace. Because I can't stand to watch people waste their life. Christine gets sometimes, you gotta let them go on their own journey. Yeah, I get it. I don't want to be around it. I can't stand to watch people implode when they've got this awesome gift called life because they don't want to live passionately. They don't want to love completely. They don't want to learn from their past. My God, let it go and move forward. Just wish I could. You can't. Let everyone else coddle you. Let everyone else blow smoke up your butt because they don't want to hurt your feelings. It'll be okay. Maybe you can fix You can't fix it. You screwed it up. Man up. 
and learn from it. That's why you shouldn't come to me for counseling. I'm what's called a bridge counselor. Anybody know what a bridge counselor is? Build a bridge and get over it. Christine has told me on numerous occasions, I said, I'm going to go talk to so-and-so. No, you're not. I said, no, no, no. They need to hear from me. I can help them. No, they cannot. Learn from your past. It'll change your life. You say, how do you know that, Gary? Because I know. Because when I met that woman right there six years ago, she came to me after we'd been dating about six months. We might have been married that quick because she moved fast. Um, she had a catch. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She said, how long are you going to live in what happened five years ago? I don't, I don't live there. Yeah, you do. You're so guilt-ridden about it. You apologize to everyone. and do whatever. How long are you going to live there? She was right. I was living in the past. Had all these blessings in front of me that I couldn't even enjoy because I'm living with guilt. It's game-changing. Now I can talk about it. It doesn't affect me. There's no bitterness. There's no anger. There's no, man, I wish I could have done it different. I'm like, man, I learned from it. I am who I am today because of it. God wants to use you. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. God has a calling on your life. But you've got to stir up that gift. Live passionately, love completely. Learn from the past. There's two more steps. We'll talk about those in the next two weeks.